And thank you so much for joining us today right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. We are here another year. It's amazing. Welcome to all our listeners all over the globe. And thank you so much for joining us today on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. And we're wonderful to be a part of Progressive Radio Network. You can find us at progressiveradionetwork.live, along with many other fabulous shows. And to start off today, I'd like to invite you to visit our website from Dr. Z and myself, and that is naturalnurse.com. Of course, we also have Facebook and Instagram and all those kind of places, and I'm busy answering everybody's um questions there. We have thousands of followers, but I do like to send people to the website because that's where we really list a lot of the things that are up and coming. So up and coming now, all in January. One, we have a lecture called Supplement Savvy, Choosing the Best Quality Supplements. And all of our lectures, presentations, and trips all over the world are open to everyone, but we also offer CEU credits for professionals. And for Supplement Savvy, anyone can join us, but we have CEU credits also available for nurses, nurse practitioners, licensed massage therapists, acupuncturists, and um, other people with various medical licenses who can take the course and get CEU credits. So in Supplement Savvy, we talk about choosing the best supplements. You know, if you go to a store shelf or an online area to learn about various kinds of supplements or to choose one, how do you know that you are choosing the best one? Do you know how to read a label? For instance, for herbs, is it a tincture or an extract? What about vitamins? What is the best time to take different kinds of vitamins? What about B vitamins? What about calcium? Is it fine to just pop them any old time of day? The answer is no, it is not. But you will learn that in Supplement Savvy. Also, which supplements you can take together or separately because absorption is affected, like if you take vitamin C and iron together. Also, are you reading your labels to see what additives are there? What is magnesium stearate, actually? And why is it in so many supplements? What about benzoates? What is the best and worst form of each supplement? What's the difference between magnesium oxide and other kinds of magnesium, such as amino acid chelates. There are so many questions. What about herb-drug interactions with supplements? If you're already on a pharmaceutical, you do need to know that because people are just using the wrong supplement, the wrong form of supplement, and mixing things together that interfere with each other's absorption. So there's a lot to know. So Supplement Savvy is happening on January 22nd. But if you can't make it live, because we're doing it live by online, once you purchase the class, then you have access to it for a full year. And if you purchase the class and don't take it live, you can just send your questions to us whenever it is that that you go ahead and take it. The next one we have is called crystallization patterns. And crystallization patterns is very, very interesting concept because all kinds of things actually are in crystals. If you think about it, 
uh, like snowflakes. And some of you or some of our listeners are dealing with that. Not me particularly, because I'm doing the class right here, our radio show today from Florida, my winter home. But crystalline patterns are a key factor in the interaction between everything that's an energetic essence and biological systems. So we're going to explore how crystalline patterns relate to herbalism and natural healing. And for instance, there is an entire teaching about water crystallization. And that was really by Watoro Masu. And he wrote a fabulous book, Dr. Omora, about thought processes being crystallized in frozen water. We'll talk about that. And also herbal crystallization diagnostic patterns, which was actually utilized in major hospitals in the early 1900s. So we'll talk about that as well. And then our preeminent course, this is one of my favorite classes of the year. Um, it's actually a four-class series, and it has 18 CEUs, and that is starting uh, in March, and it is called the Natural Nurse Herbal Certification Course. And this gives 18 CEUs to licensed nurses, midwives, massage therapists, acupuncturists, RDs, and uh, clinical nutritionists. But Anyone can take it. You don't have to be one of those things. And you do get a certificate sent to you, which is a certificate of completion of the Natural Nurse Herbal Certification course. And it can be used towards becoming a registered herbalist. And you don't need to be one of those other licensed professionals if you're studying to be an RH, which is a registered herbalist. I'm a mentor with the American Herbalist Guild, and I take people through the process to become an RH, which is a very powerful certificate in herbal medicine. We also have coming up in March our Echo Tours for Cures, the Jamaican vacation for education in the island of Jamaica. And that's where we actually go together as a group to the island of Jamaica. And of course, this was not happening for the last couple of years because travel was so limited, but we are back this year. And last year, we actually did a little mini one. But before that, for the last 30 years or so, it's been every single year. So all of these things are described in depth, um, along with many other classes that are coming up. So what you do is just go to naturalnurse.com and hit classes and events. And you will see many of those things. And when you go to naturalnurse.com, if you go to media and click on radio shows, there are actually thousands of radio shows archived on any topic in herbal medicine with any herbalist you've ever heard of or any natural healer or doctor that you've ever heard of. They've usually have been our guests. So if you go to naturalnurse.com, there's a lot of information there, um, things that you can learn about for no additional cost and also classes that you might want to be involved in. And today we are so happy to have as our guest, Hollywood hypnotist, Kevin Stone. He is an internationally renowned expert, master hypnotist, celebrity hypnotist, and America's most trusted and awarded hypnotist. He has worked with thousands of individuals, including many celebrities, and has been called um, the most trusted hypnotist in America and also has many awards under his belt. He has helped people overcome challenges such as smoking, uh, excess weight, 
being stressed out. And he is a holder of the highest honorary degrees and awards and is a board certified hypnotist. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kevin. Well, thanks for having me, Ellen. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad to give everyone an insight on hypnosis and any questions that uh, come up that uh, hopefully I can answer. And also, we, we should shout out a really great website to find out more about you, but also about hypnotism in general is just hypnotist.com. And you grabbed that website. It's, you know, that was really thoughtful. You must have done that years ago to actually have that as your website. I did. I did. I had the uh, the foresight to understand what was going to happen in our world with with uh, the Internet and social media. And uh, it's a great website. We designed it to be very educational and a lot of great information on there for people who have a uh, a lot of questions about what hypnotherapy is, what hypnosis is, and the differences. Well, let's go back in time to, you know, a little boy, Kevin. And what path led you to become a professional and board-certified hypnotist? <laughs> well, I always had an interest in what the, what it was, because I used to read it in uh, the back of comic books to send away for your hypnotism course, and you'd see it on uh, the cartoons and TV and the movies, and it was always this mysterious thing that... Um, you know, as a boy and as a young man, it was very, very fascinating to to understand it. Well, fast forward, um, when I moved to California from the East Coast, uh, I was in between jobs. And every time I'm in between jobs, I always go back to school. Academia is always important to me to always further my education, learn more. And so there was a there was a college here in California that gave college credit. And I thought, wow, let me get more college credit to work towards my my doctorate, my PhD. And um, I said, why not? So I signed up because I had the time in between uh, working and jobs and school. And I was hooked. I was, I was basically hooked. Now, I, I wasn't really, I was very apprehensive about it because I didn't really understand it. So what made me a believer was we went to on a field trip to watch hypnosis being performed at one of the most world famous hospitals in the world, Cedar Sinai. And it was a woman having a C-section under hypnosis. They call it hypnobirthing today, but back then they didn't call it that. It was just a woman under hypnosis having a baby. <laughs> and so that was the foundation for me to really have me understand what was really happening. And um, lo and behold, God's plan and path um, allowed me to be who I am 30-something years later. So it's been that long. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been doing this for 30-plus years now. That's amazing. And you definitely have delved into it. What is the difference between someone who just says that they are a hypnotist and someone who is a board certified hypnotherapist? Yeah, a hypnotist could be anyone who goes to your uh, local library, picks up a book and learns how to do hip hypnosis. In actuality, all of us are hypnotists because we give suggestion 
to our family, friends, and especially our spouse. And so we're all really hypnotists. It's just a refined. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? We are all you mean so like when I get my husband to do something, I'm hypnotizing. <laughs> Absolutely, especially spouses. By the way. Um, uh, you're more of a hypnotist in your relationship than, uh, you know, at work or, or or just common conversation. But look, we all live under the natural organic uh, resource called hypnosis because we all live in a world of suggestibility. Media, marketing, advertising, everyone utilizes it, politics, uh, and they refine it and they use it. And they allow us to receive those suggestions. That's why, you know. Wait a minute. I'm very, I'm really interested. And we do have a full hour here today, Kevin. So we can really go into some things that you know more about than most of us. Because I was surprised that you said that. And then I was thinking of an interaction very recently that I had with my husband where um, in Florida, we have these little pellets that absorb moisture. Yes. And I noticed that. They were gone in a couple of the places that I like them to be, like the closet. And when I mentioned it to him, you know, he had kind of, oh, don't tell me what to do. I know when I have to refill them. That's his normal, you know, response if I say something like that. But yet I come back the next day and they're all filled. Right. Uh So (laughs) there you go, Ellen. There's the pure form of suggestibility, the natural organic process of receiving a suggestion and someone uh, uh, doing exactly what the suggestion is. And that's how simple it is. That's how simple it but really why is. is that, why would be, that be considered hypnotism other than just making a suggestion that someone follows? Well, it's almost a parallel. It, 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 it's parallel um, because it, it, just like it, in hypnosis or and hypnotherapy, one has to be open, receptive, and willing to allow the process to work. They can't have any reservation. Even though you get a lot, which I do all the time in this particular relationship, you know, first initial backlash about making a suggestion, but then it always gets done. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the same thing in hypnotherapy or any therapeutic forum. There's always that critical factor that's going to protect us in our mind. And it's it's going to question, it's going to doubt, it's going to become cynical, it's all of these things. And then once you overcome that and just open yourself up to it and allow the process to happen, it will happen automatically. But now a board-certified <laughs> hypnotherapist has to go through certain trainings to yes. actually get that yeah. kind of title. Yeah, and that's the difference between a normal uh, certified hypnotherapist or, again, someone who doesn't have the educational background uh, and just calls themselves a hypnotist because, again, they learned how to do it through uh, a book. And so board certified, uh, much more education. It furthers your uh, uh, in-depth insight into how the mind works, how how this natural organic process works. And so just like any other board certified uh, doctor, um, you know, they, it shows a passion and, and an in-depth of what that is for their profession to to learn more about it, to help people help themselves. And do you have to do like ongoing training to maintain that board certification? Yeah, every year there's a uh, hundred hours I still have to complete. To... Wow, that's a lot. That's um, quite yeah. a bit. 
Yeah, it is. Um, the uh, parameters for hypnotherapy and becoming a hypnotherapist, uh, you know, they're stringent, um, uh, more so than some of the other uh, medical professions. That's actually true, because yeah. in nursing, let's say every two years to maintain my nursing license, I have to do a number of ongoing credits, but not 200 in two years, not 200 yeah. credits is a lot yeah. less. And I can opt out of many of them because of my level of being an advanced practice nurse. So like for this one coming up, I actually only have to do two. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> yeah, because they take a lot of time. On the other hand, when you're taking some of those classes, it's things you're interested in anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, the whole thing is interesting to me, obviously, because I'm passionate about this particular modality and have been. Um, it's so fascinating. Uh, everyone responds differently. Um, and it, it, it's just it's just an amazing. Again, it's a natural organic process that has been scientific and medically proven over the years, because back then it had, you know, this it's, and people still have the stigma of what this is and what it isn't. And, you know, TV movies still sensationalize it to be what it isn't. You know, I don't, I don't have a power. I don't, I don't get out a watch. Uh, I, I, this is not how we do hypnosis, <laughs> but this is how they, you know, they sensationalize it and they continue to feed people watching that kind of thing as to how it, how it works. And it doesn't work that way. It works simply through what we're doing right now, Ellen, which is words. And the same words you used on your husband <laughs> are the same words that allow people to become hypnotized or suggestible to what you're saying. So are there certain words that you have learned from your many years of being a hypnotherapist that are good at providing support for a suggestion that somebody wants to do? Like, let's say they want to stop smoking. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's certain trigger words, not anything specific, like a magic word that allows somebody to take a suggestion and then act on it accordingly. Um, it's a sentence structure of how the subconscious mind, which is 88 percent of your brain's capacity, receives the information. But you have to figure out first how the brain receives communication and how that brain gives communication. So once you understand the language of how that person does that, then you're able to speak with their permission, obviously, uh, to their subconscious mind and basically give them suggestion, rewire their brain. So the metaphors I give basically are your brain is a computer system. And just like all of us who work on computers all day long, um, you, the computer doesn't do anything unless you tell it what to do. And so that's the same thing with hypnosis. But you have to have the individual's permission to do so. Because if the, if, if you didn't, then people would be abusing, and what again, TV, movies, and you know books, and whatever sensationalize hypnotism to be this powerful hypnotist as you under their spell. Because if that were the case, Ellen, I, I wouldn't even be having this interview right now. I would just go to the bank daily, hypnotize the people at the bank, and say, <laughs> give me their money, <laughs> you know? And so it doesn't work that way. Oh, but yeah, so, it does in the movies, right? It does in the movies, yeah. And so, yeah, no, all these things that people think that, it, it you know, the hypnotist has this power of, and I get that every day, quite frankly, still. People call my clinic 
and they call up and they go, um, I want to stop smoking today. And I go, why do you feel you're going to stop smoking today? Now, listen, this is where it gets a little tricky because you can stop smoking today because um, I've had people stop in one session. I've had people stop in under two minutes. So this is where it gets a little tricky because that can happen. And it can only happen because that person, and you've said it yourself, because they're willing and they're wanting and they're open and receptive to it. So it can happen within under two minutes. And I've done that with people with 40-year smokers, two and a half packs a day, camel non-filter cigarettes. And so it looks and appears and perceptually, it, 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 I have this power, oh my goodness, after 40 years, two, two minutes, you stopped me from smoking from after 40 years. I don't have that power. I but give you're you saying the, the person has to be ready. So I'll give an example of smoking in particular yeah. and someone I know and love, my mother, um, wow. who's now going to be 94 years old. But back when she was 70, I can't believe it's that long ago, but I remember that day, um, she was always a smoker. I mean, she loved smoking and talking and, you know, socializing with the cigarette and a drink sure. usually. And it's part of the and, culture that yeah. did back in that day, very heavily, 30s, 40s, 50s. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she wound up with polyps in her throat. Oh. So she had to go into surgery to remove these polyps. And the, the surgeon told her, when I'm putting you under, I'm going to hypnotize you so that you never smoke again. Right. He was a surgeon, but he was a trained, I don't know if he was a hypnotherapist that's licensed, but nonetheless, he incorporated it into his surgery practice because he found people were particularly open when they were going under anesthesia. But he did tell her ahead of time he was going to do that. And she right. said, great. And he did. He made just what you're saying right as she was in that twilight state, a uh -huh. suggestion that you yeah. will never smoke again. And right. sure enough, when she came out of it, a few weeks later, when her throat was healing, she tried, but she just threw the cigarette down and said, Ugh, I can't even do that anymore. And it was fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. And because she was ready, willing, and she allowed it to be received. And so therefore, you know, that's what people, and people go, why can't I do this myself? Well, you can't because all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. The hypnotist, board certified, certified, or just a general hypnotist, is the guide, is the facilitator. It's just like we can't perform surgery on ourselves. We need a, a professional doctor who is qualified to be a surgeon to perform the surgery on ourselves. But it's the same thing. You have to be open and willing, and the hypnotist basically guides you to the uh, suggestions that you're willing to receive. And in this well, case, with them, right. yeah, and, and my mother, back to my mother again, um, yeah. my parents were very active socially and they were constantly at shows and all this. And they went to several shows where there was a hypnotist more in a performance venue. Right. And it seems like certain people could be reached more easily. And she was definitely always one of them. That wound up on the stage, you know, barking yeah. like a dog or some silly thing like that. Right. So, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up, Ellen, because there are people 
who are constantly walking around in a highly suggestible state, which is called hypnosis, and I actually have to dehypnotize them to rehypnotize them to be suggestible to themselves instead of open to the environment. Now, wow. some, some of the examples of these people are uh, where their credit card is uh, exhausted uh, because they're spending and spending and spending and they don't realize it because it's a piece of plastic and, and then they get the bill and then they realize, I can't believe I've, I've, I've spent all my money on my credit card, my maximum. Same thing if you go gambling. People uh, gamble excessively. They don't realize it because you get caught up in that moment in the environment and the suggestions of what's happening. And so they're hypnotized by that. So they have to be dehypnotized to be rehypnotized so they don't allow themselves to be that open and suggestible to the environment. Well, that is fascinating. But what we're going to do right now is we are going to take a break and we're going to uh, present to you the natural medicine chest. And when we come back, we will continue this fascinating conversation with Kevin Stone, master hypnotist. You can always find him at hypnotist.com. How simple is that? And we'll be right back with more right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. medicine chest we'll take a look at the soybean its phytochemistry and its role as a food and medicine it is exciting to see a resurgence in research by universities and food scientists on the role that foods play in disease prevention many of these institutions such as the united soybean board the american soybean farmers association and the national cancer institute are busy developing designer foods or superfoods concentrating the essential nutrients and phytochemicals in soybeans and other foods that have potent medicinal effects. Commonly known foods which have soy in them include soy milk, a cheese-like substance called tofu, tempeh, a fermented soy protein, and tamari, a fermented soy sauce. The soybean is a rich source of many nutrients, including selenium, zinc, beta-carotene, vitamins A, C, and E, and 20 of the 22 amino acids. Soy also contains essential fatty acids. Research on soy foods is vast and well-known to health enthusiasts, although the general public and physicians in the United States may not be aware of this plethora of research. In Japan and China, however, this is not the case, as a voluminous number of scientific studies have been carried out in animals and humans. Chinese studies reveal that soy products can increase the ability, rate of activity, and number of white blood cells. Patients receiving chemotherapy and radiation can benefit from drinking soy milk, which in several studies demonstrated a protective effect on the liver and gastrointestinal system. It is interesting to note that the British journal Lancet revealed that vegetarians and Asians who ingest high amounts of soy have the lowest rates of cancer. This is due to one of soy's constituents called genistein. 
this chemical is a phytoestrogen or plant estrogen, which can decrease and block the uptake of human estrogen and testosterone, as well as enhance its excretion. Like the drug tamoxifen, it competes with estrogen for uptake in the reproductive tissues. By doing so, hormone-dependent cancers like ovarian, breast, and prostate cancers may be prevented. In conditions where there is a deficiency of hormones, such as osteoporosis and menopause, soy isoflavones, such as genistein, can weakly mimic estrogen and reduce the severity of these problems. So, listeners, don't count out the versatile soybean. Make it a delicious and nutritious part of your natural medicine chest. Our website at naturalnurse.com and go to classes to find out all the up-and-coming events that are both on ground, such as our herb walks where we're in your area and taking you out to actually gather wild edible and medicinal plants and make them into medicine, and also our many online offerings, such as our uh, natural nurse certification course, which is coming up. And in terms of our on-ground, we have our trip to Jamaica, where you actually physically go to Jamaica and study with bush doctors and other experts in natural plant medicine. So check out naturalnurse.com and you'll find all the information there. And we also have links to all our radio shows, which then turn into podcasts somehow magically. I don't know, when we started doing these radio shows in 1987, they were called radio shows. That's all I know. But now they're also (laughs) called podcasts, which I think is actually um, an advantage because people all over the world actually join us as listeners, which is just fabulous. And thank you for doing that, all you listeners. And today we have as our guest, Kevin Stone, master hypnotist, internationally renowned, and he has worked with thousands of individuals, including celebrities, and has been called America's most trusted and awarded hypnotist. And he has been telling us a lot of interesting things about the power of hypnosis. So thank you so much for joining us today, Kevin. Well, thanks for having me, Ellen. A great conversation. And let's continue. You were talking about suggestibility. And I brought up the fact that sometimes, like, even in if you're doing a show, do you ever do this like a show, or is it always more serious one-on-one kind of consultation? Oh, no, no. I've been doing shows uh, equally to uh, the, the medical hypnosis for over 30 years. So there you uh, go. So how do you decide out of an audience who you would bring up? Um, I don't. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, back in the day, they used, and I think a lot of the more insecure stage hypnotists, because they don't—they're not formally trained. Again, that that stage hypnotism isn't formally. There is no college or or schooling formal to learn the art of that, right? So it's learned through. Um, other hypnotists, stage hypnotists, or it's learned through books. And so they will 
back in the day, it was very popular that they would pick their individuals uh, because they could determine who was more suggestible, environmentally suggestible, and suggestible to the, what they were going to do for that particular stage program. Um, and there's a lot of them still today who 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 do that. I'm sure because they really don't understand how to do the applications and allow people to feel comfortable going into the process. So I don't I don't ever pick anyone because I always felt and I never did that from day one, quite frankly, because I always felt it it had that feeling of it was set up and I you know. Uh, you pay back in the day. They would say they would call them shills, where they would get paid to do that type of a thing. And so I never, fe I felt it always would discredit even more um, hypnosis. And so I never ever did it. So I always allow anyone, either while I'm lecturing or I'm doing a, a stage show and a performance or any public um conversations i'm having about hypnosis i always allow anyone who wants to allow themselves to go into the process and take advantage of it because it's an absolute amazing powerful state um to do so and so i think my techniques and and why i become who i've become obviously i think when you have that uh ability or gift as they call it in our society, to allow things to happen. Um, and for me, it's always been that way uh, from day one. It's always been, it, it hasn't really been work or hard for me to do that. It's just natural. And I just allow people to volunteer and they go into hypnosis. So my success rate, even to this day, uh, is around pushing around 98%. Right. So right. you allow them to go into it, but like you're in front of a stage. Let's let's yeah. do a visualization of that. And Good. not everybody in your audience is going to be that interactive individual. So how do you determine who is? But in my that's that's what I'm trying to convey. Uh, uh, and it's a little bit challenging because it, with me, it's just different. I can't explain it. Um, I can't put my my thumb on it. But uh, I not only get people, let's say I'm doing, uh, and I've done a very large arena shows where there's 20,000 people in the audience. And so you've got 30, 40 people up on that stage. Or let, let's minimize it a little bit more uh, because it might be too overwhelming. So let's go to a basic club uh, hypnosis show, probably what you're visualizing now. Right, Ellen? Yeah. Okay. So So we're in a club. And there's 10 people up on the stage and there's, uh, you know, 100 people in the club. Uh, it's a comedy club. And so everyone has that visualization, that picture, which, by the way, we're already starting to do hypnosis. It's called environmental. If you're already visualizing and imagining that, <laughs> you see how simple it can be in work, Ellen? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we got 10 people up on the stage and those people willingly came up there because I asked for the volunteers and they willingly came up there. Now, for my programs, what always happens, because I, I allow those 10 people to come up because I only have 10 chairs and I'll have space for 10, but I always open it up to the entire audience. So we have 100 people in the audience. Well, now we have 90 people in the audience because 10 people up on stage. And they self-selected. Right. And so I open it up and say, look, if 
you know, because you didn't make it up here for whatever reason, because when I call for volunteers, people rush the stage. So it's like, you know, like a bunch of kids or, you know, animals at a, at a Black Friday sale at Walmart. And so <laughs> generally there's no more availability. So I open it up to the entire audience. So guess what happens, Ellen? What happens? 75% of that audience also goes into hypnosis once I begin the hypnotic trance. So now we have about, out of the 100 people, we have about 80 to 90 people all in hypnosis. 10 people on stage, the rest are in the audience. So now I have the, the luxury and the opportunity to pick people if I wanted, which again, I don't, to go through the hour performance of a particular stage show. So that's the differences with my programs and what a normal, what people might be familiar with on a stage, comedy stage hypnosis show. That's the differences. Okay. And so what kind of thing might go on there? Right. So, so back to the original question. I don't have to pick anyone because they're picking themselves. And so the ones who actually come up and volunteer, those are going to be your extrovert individuals. Those are the people who are generally uh, the life of the party. They're the ones that you invite to your own parties uh, because they're very outgoing and their personalities are, you know, uh, extrovert. And so therefore, in a comedy stage hypnosis show, they're the ones who are going to be the first ones to volunteer because they like the spotlight. They, they're they comfortable being an extrovert. They don't have any reservations about doing things in front of people or audiences because, because the number one fear, you know, the number one fear in the entire world, Ellen? I guess looking like a fool. <laughs> close. That's very close. <laughs> it's it's public speaking. Oh, that's so. Do you know funny how many calls a day? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know how many calls a day I get for public speaking? But it is the number one fear in the world of people getting up in front of uh, their peers or people in general, and they're terrified. That includes uh, people that you wouldn't even think have that fear and phobia um that's celebrities uh a lot of major politicians they they just uh have a lot of anxiety a lot of nerves and a lot of things that, that get triggered uh but anyway that's a digress fear is a, a, a public speaking is the number one uh fear but the extroverts already been and know how comfortable they can be so they're the first always to rush into um a comedy stage hypnosis show and become that volunteer. So there's a method to your madness. Now, what about people who choose to work with you one-on-one -on -one yeah. and to use hypnotism and their, their specific thought in mind is to help them get over something they don't want to do. You know, one of those habits such as smoking or overeating. So um, I'm, I'm kind of a little confused about the question. So, so is it easier? Is that what you're asking? Or yeah, because then there's not public oh, yeah. speaking involved. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier in the program we were talking about smoking and your mom, um, how it can be done in under two minutes. Well, 
people also know because of my notoriety around the world that if they come into one of my programs, again, lecture wise, stage hypnosis, comedy, stage hypnosis, why or whatever, they know anytime I'm, I'm doing a public uh, performance, they know that the benefit of them volunteering and participating in that, that they're going to get what I've, uh, what I, what I set out to do 30 years ago with the vehicle of doing comedy stage hypnosis is to uh, give them a mini hypnotherapy session to allow them to change something in their life. So that's why a lot of people want to get in my, my programs because I'm going to give you that at the end of the program. And, and really, one doesn't – if you're sitting there as an audience member watching this, you don't even realize it's happening because I've kind of incorporated it into where it doesn't become clinical and, and boring. So it happens that quick at the end of the program where they get that mini hypnotherapy session and they're able to change something in their lives. So a lot of the people, when I tell them that, uh, make one suggestion in your life, say it be stop smoking, losing weight, increase your earning power, and they only can make one suggestion because in hypnosis, Alan, you can't do combinations because the mind will cancel it out. Your critical factor will override it. So can, you can only focus on certain things. Like I can combine stress and anxiety together in one session, but I can't combine smoking and weight at the same time. Those are two heavy issues where the mind won't receive suggestions for one or the other if you're trying to do both. So to keep it simple again, back to the stage show, I will give that at the end of the program and people have changed their lives all over the world with that simple programming system that I devised many years ago and why I started doing the comedy stage hypnosis shows uh, to educate, uplift, and inspire people. That was the whole format for me right from the beginning. It was always an educational to, uh, to really allow people to experience hypnosis and to experience it in a way where it's safe, where they're not doing things like barking like a dog, clucking like a chicken, and all these stereotypical things, again, that we're all programmed with thinking about when it comes to hypnosis because of, again, the media, t uh, TV, movies. Uh, that's what we're trained in, what we think, the stereotypical. So I always, I always felt to educate, uplift, and inspire people in any program that I did, whether it be a lecture, stage hypnosis show, whatever it is that I was doing and still do, because um, that's my mission, is to really allow people to understand the simplicity, like we started this program today, of this natural organic state called hypnosis. Well, that's a very good explanation. And, you know, it, it just lets people know that there's so much more to it than just a performance. We're going to take a little break right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z, so you listeners can hear about a lot of the other really exciting programs offered by Progressive Radio Network. And also, you know, you can always find us there at prn.live, which is where we host many of these shows. So if you want to look for an archived show, not only of ours, but of the many shows 
that are on Progressive Radio Network. That's a good way to track it down. And we will be right back with more with our illustrious guest, Hollywood hypnotist, Kevin Stone. We'll be right back. Once again, right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. C., we have been bringing you this show and many others since 1987. And now, of course, you can listen anytime on the archives via podcast. And we thank so much joining us today. Also, our illustrious guest, Hollywood hypnotist, Kevin Stone, and you can find him at hypnotist.com. And as always, we will have a live link at our archive of the show. So if there's something you heard here that's interesting, you'd like to listen again, or tell your friend to listen, they can do so on the archives if they're not joining us during our live broadcast, which is today. And thank you so much for that great description. Now, some of the things that are most often sought out in terms of help with hypnotism, I would say, is smoking and weight loss. Is that true? Yeah, that's uh, that's how I, the foundation of my my clinic and my practice started out was smoking and weight. Actually, smoking was the one that put me in the uh, public eye. Uh, I had hypnotized a famous celebrity. They went on uh, Jay Leno and they basically announced it. And the rest is history from that point. And so smoking weight is pretty much predominantly what most people think about uh, hypnotists going to for. But but the applications, Ellen, are endless. Uh, whatever you think about that is blocking you from not a, a, uh, allowing you to achieve your maximum potential in life, and you want to remove that negative behavior, hypnosis is the tool. Hypnosis is the modality to facilitate that for one for anyone. So that's interesting because when you talk about smoking, it's not just a psychological addiction. That is a true physical addiction. Correct. Absolutely. Because of what they've designed in the cigarettes um, to allow you to become addicted to. The nicotine, the, 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 the caffeine, there's a lot of chemicals in the actual tobacco that allow the physical body, as you know, to become addicted to. So it's psychological and uh, physiological. Because I always wonder why, why, why people would ever continue with that when they know how bad it is for them, but yet they do find that hypnotism may help them stop. Well, that's the thing that people struggle with, even, even the simplicity. Let's even go even more simple, Ellen, where you get people who have addictions of with chocolate, right? or food addictions. So let's keep it simple with chocolate. Uh, we think, oh, it's just chocolate, no big deal. That's, but, but people have some serious issues who are, are eating more chocolate than they should daily. And so this becomes an issue in their lives. And so, um, you know, hypnosis can help with that by the way too. Um, but it's just, again, where we become addicted to and these things that are, are not balanced in our lives and we need to get control of them Hypnosis is that tool. So how do you work to help someone, let's say, stop smoking? How would it work? Yes. How would someone go about Well, first and foremost, like any 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 therapy, one has to um, admit it and one has to come to terms with it to be able to seek out the help 
that they need to stop it. So that's number one. Number two, with the work that I do, which again, is really self-hypnosis. I'm the guide, I'm the facilitator, and I help that individual to understand how they're programming themselves to deprogram themselves to do the behavior that they want to do. Because also remember, and we haven't really touched on it, and there's so many things, and we only have a, a short time in this program, as you already can know, and the listeners are thinking, wow, this is so fascinating. There's so much to learn um, where, you know, once they, they get into uh, understanding and allowing the natural organic state of hypnosis to work, then the sky's the limit. You can change whatever it is that you want. And so you have to be willing and want to. And so that's the second step in the therapeutic process where they have to just um, allow the process to work. So is something like weight loss, you know, that has, how would it make your body, let's say, lose weight? You don't have to change your diet or does it allow you to make the changes and not eat, let's say, tons of bagels or something that, that you used to <laughs> right. do? Right. Let's go back to the statement of, um, and we never, we haven't even touched on it, where all behaviors learn behavior, right? So Just let's like go smoking. with that. What does that mean? All behavior is learned behavior. Yeah. All behavior that we have to this day is learned. So we learned it at some point. And, and scientifically, um, they came up with a number. It's called, it's 21. Anytime you establish anything 21 times in a row, it becomes an automatic programming into your mind. You automatically do it without thinking about it. So two examples I'm going to give you quickly because I know we're running out of time. With smokers, and they, this is this behavior and this pattern is always the same. They always like to have that favorite spot where they go smoke and a cup of coffee. So that's learned behavior that they continue to condition themselves every day without even thinking about it to continue to do the negative habit of smoking. With eating and weight, they'll find that they're eating – junk food mainly in front of the tv or they find themselves going to the refrigerator and everyone start, who's listening to this program is going oh my goodness that is me yes i know because that's the behavior of what one acquires in these conditions these negative conditions that we we end up doing to ourselves so under hypnosis we reprogram that behavior to not allow them to do that because it's only facilitating and allowing them to continue to do the, the negative behavior. So how does that make them not have the physical desire? Right. So that, that, that's, that, that comes with it. Once you give the programming and understand what the behavior patterns are of what they're doing, and the two that I just stated about the smoking in the way, those are pretty much... Uh, uh, dominant with all, everyone who has that negative behavior. And even with the smokers, we can even go back to uh, and then go, how do you know this information? Well, it's just understanding human condition and behavior, right? So even with the smokers, I'll say, well, let's see, you started, and a lot of them are going to laugh listening to this program now because they're like, how, did, how, does, how does Kevin even know this? They They started smoking back when they were around 16, 15 years old, they stole some cigarettes from their parents and they went out with their friends behind the barn or the, the building and uh, they tried it for the first time. They 
all had the same response where they were hacking and coughing and it was very bitter and it made their throat sore but they got addicted to again what we talked about earlier which was the chemicals and so therefore they smoke to this day so a lot of people are going how does he know that because that's basically the conditioning and the behavior that happened and the trap so to speak and they allowed themselves to continue the behavior because they they, they decided that like you said earlier they know, everyone knows, logic, reason, rationale, that I shouldn't be eating the bag of chips, the whole bag of chips, because I need to lose five pounds. I need to lose 10 pounds. So it goes with the behavior of what you're asking. It goes hand in hand. It's an automatic where the programming allows the physical behavior of not allowing you to go and open the refrigerator 15 times a day to look at the light and to see what's inside the refrigerator because a lot of people do that too they automatically not even knowing unwillingly because they've conditioned themselves so well to just get up and go look inside the refrigerator to see what's inside of it so and do then you they replace that behavior with a different action exactly through suggestion correct and again, it's all individualistic because everyone's different, but pretty much I'm, I'm giving you the general behavior of the two conditions of smoking and weight. Of so what's how often is this successful? Like if someone's listening to our show today and they're saying, wow, maybe I could use um, that kind of service to help mm -hmm. me stop smoking or overeating. First of all, everyone can. I can is what I promote. There's no, I can't, I could, woulda, shoulda, coulda. I don't subscribe to any of that. And I don't, I don't, I don't teach any of my, my patients woulda, shoulda, couldas or anything negative programming because that's all negative programming. You can, and God has given us free will and choice to do that. So therefore, it's just, you need the tools. We all need the tools uh, to facilitate getting from point A to B. Just like athletes, no one is an all-star athlete. No one is a celebrity right from from the, the deciding I, I want to be an actor. I want to be uh, I want to be a basketball player, an all-star. It doesn't work that way. It's a process. It's a conditioning process, uh, and allows your mind and body that has to be willing to go through the journey. Now, some are quicker, some are slower. It really depends. That doesn't mean good or bad. It just that's how you're built and how you receive and give communication. And so just like uh, the examples I gave of a sports figure or or a celebrity, you know, they have good coaches. They have good people around them guiding them to become and reach their maximum potential in life. But you have to understand where you want to go. You have to have the goal. So the simplicity of, of the modification of, of the behavior we're talking about, because that's what hypnosis does. It modifies behavior. But you have to want to modify that behavior. It's not magic. I don't get any magic dust and sprinkle it on you. I don't have a magic word, and you suddenly lose 50 pounds. Oh, too bad. Uh, <laughs> well, look, look, if that were the case, Ellen, uh, you know how many people would be doing this uh, and uh, successfully and not only making money from it, but teaching others to do that. So it just doesn't work that way.
we everyone wants the magic pill and that's you know that's what you see you know in the media tv you know the the newest craziest uh weight loss pill or or needle or or all this same thing with smoking all of that works by the way all of that stuff works because it's been fda approved and all of that scientific and all that it all works but guess what you know why people aren't successful with those things because they haven't programmed their mind they haven't modified their behavior so that stuff is all temporary and they call it the yo-yo diet right if we're talking about uh, weight loss because uh, they, they go right back to it why because they haven't conditioned their thinking well and I so want to thank you so much Kevin you're right we came to the end of the hour but you gave so much information there's so much and more there's so much more and people can find out more by going to hypnotist.com and of course they can re-listen to our show which was live today right here on prn.live and I want to thank you so much for being our guest today and wishing you a happy new year happy new year to you thanks so much for having me and thank you listeners for joining us once again for another edition of the natural nurse and dr z will be live next tuesday 10 a.m eastern but anytime on the archive and until then from naturalnurse.com myself dr ellen kamai and my co-host dr eugene samperone we're hoping that you stay healthy <laughs> <laughs>